Welcome to the Fresh is the Word podcast. I'm your host, Kay Fresh. This is episode number 18. Today is Monday, February 15th, and we've got a lot of stuff to get into before we go into our usual interview segment. Uh, I kind of want to like start talking about more stuff at the, during this o- opening monologue, you know, just kind of get into some topics that are relating to music and wrestling, or even my life, you know. So we got a few, you know, really cool things to talk about. Um, let's start off with some music shit. Uh, the topic of Detroit rapper Elzai. You know, for the past couple of years now, uh, he, there's been a lot of negativity around this fella because they did a, a few years ago, they did a Kickstarter campaign for his, for his album, and it was wi- more, widely successful. They got much more than they were looking for. But then afterwards, it's been ta- it's been taken a few years for for anything to come to fruition, uh, and most of the people that were involved with donating towards it felt like there wasn't enough updates, you know, in regards to it. So there was there was definitely a lot of negativity. Well, I can safely say that the album does exist. It exists. It's called Lead Poison. It exists, and I've heard it. It's pretty damn good. You know, I'll let you guys, you know, when it finally comes out, I think it come, comes out sometime in March, I'll let you decide if it was worth the wait. But I think it's good. And he, you know, definitely is finally, he's finally opening up to, you know, shit that's going on in my life. That was that was a big criticism that I've, I've had for him for a while. He, When I first heard him, I, I first met him at record time in Roseville. He was there. Uh, kicking it with House Shoes, uh, House Shoes introduced me, and was like, yo, this dude's going to be on, um, you know, JD's Welcome to Detroit. I was like, oh, snap, dude, all right, cool, and like, and then, like, I got to hear his earlier stuff like that, um, his Out of Focus EP, and that shit was, to me, that's still, like, the, one of the best Elzai's that I've ever heard, you know, he was young, he was very open, he was, he, he was, you could see a spark, you know, at that time, you know, there's no, there's no defying that he is technically one of the best MCs in hip hop. But my biggest concern was over the years, and I've been vocal about it, even to him, where it was that, you know, maybe he doesn't open up enough in his music. It's gotten to the point where he's too technical, too robotic. It was like, I didn't. I wasn't getting to know him through his music at all. You know, I couldn't tell you anything about him through his music. It was just rapping, phenomenal rapping. But it just seemed a little cold after a while. Me and him had a falling out many years ago. Uh, I interviewed him for my last website, uh, Loop Detroit, and I, I I phrased things the wrong way. And looking now, he did an interview recently where he was talking about. The reason why this album took so long is because he was, you know, fighting some black clouds that he says, you know, depression, that sort of thing. I feel like I felt that, you know, in him. I noticed that, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't even know what it was. So there's no way to to phrase it in a way. So I like it came out wrong what I was trying to fish for. And he kind of took it the wrong way. And. The tipping point was, like, during his Elmatic uh, show at the Majestic Theater with Will Sessions, 
I was like on Twitter, like just tweeting jokes about the show, you know. Um, previously to that show, a couple of weeks before was the infamous Odd Future show where, you know, some, you know, bottles were being thrown on stage. So I was joking about, like, I got served a bottle of uh, beer that night, and I was like, oh, I got served a bottle. Maybe I'll throw up on stage. And a few, I cracked a few other jokes on Twitter, and he saw them, and he called me, and we got into some heavy words and some argument about it, and we haven't talked since. That's probably like four years ago, maybe even longer. Uh, I, I've always wished him the best, but, you know, I... I was probably a little too critical and maybe didn't phrase things, you know, properly. And that's and that was kind of my bad. But, you know, I, I want to I want to see this dude win. If he's been dealing with shit, I'm glad that he's finally starting to open up on, on this album. So uh, I think next month it comes out. So hopefully you feel the same way about that. Um, it's a good album. I feel like he's opening up more and hopefully he continues to do that. Hopefully we get to hear more from him. And, you know, I only, you know, wish the, the best for him. On another topic is the recent posting of an interview with Jay Dilla's mom, uh, Ma- Maureen Ma Dukes Yancey, on Hip Hop DX in, in regards to her, to their beef with House Shoes. All right. House Shoes did say, did cross the line with some of his tweets in the past, um, and he publicly apologized. Um, from what I hear, too, he even tried to reach out to, you know, mend them fences. But th- this is my thing. Wh- whether you, whoever side you're on, like, they posted this interview right in the middle of celebrating Jay Dilla's, you know, both per- um, birthday and passing. He was born on February 7th. He passed on February 10th. They posted it right in the middle of this. I just feel like in regards to it all, that's just in poor taste. And the thing is, this thing has any any sort of issue, the things that Haushu said about Madukes at this point have happened over a year and a half now, you know, and you're just, you're, digging up this shit now and then posting it right in the middle of the Dilla celebration, that is clickbaity shit, you know? And the fact the matter, too, is the J. Dilla Foundation Twitter account also posted about it right in the right when it happened also, saying that they're going to air out house shoes. Really, we're all celebrating this man, whether you're going to events or not, we're celebrating the works of James Yancey right now because this is when he was born and this is when he passed in the same week. And Hip Hop DX and the foundation want to bring up some of this shit? Like, look, there's 11 months, other months out of the year, man. If you really needed to post this interview, which I, I feel like... Even the posting of this interview is just clickbaity shit. But if it was really important to post this interview with Ma Dukes, do it in January, do it in March, do it in July, do it in another month, not February, not the the month that we celebrate, Dilla. You want to bring negativity to this shit? Like, and I get because of how she was remarks that, okay, maybe Ma Dukes doesn't want how she's to be a part of of, you know, J. Dilla Foundation, you know, official J. Dilla parties, you know. That, that is not my 
that's not my thing to that's not my decision to to come to uh but to just go out of their way to post to post this interview then at this specific time is just in poor taste um from what i from what i gather the the person who did the article reached out to house shoes many many months ago so i believe that they had this interview with my dukes for many months too and they're, they waited for this time, like, and how she was declined because he doesn't want to talk about this anymore. Because when is it going to stop? At this point, this is a definite example about when is it going to stop, you know? They keep on cycling through the negative shit of the past instead of just moving on. Am I saying how she was right and wrong? This is not, whatever, it doesn't matter which side of the fence you, you, you come up on in this. It was wrong to post it at this time. It was in poor taste. And then... Also, there was another post recently about that also mentioned house shoes not being a part of these events, but also lumped Wajid into it. I don't get that. You know, it's there. There would not be a slum village as a packaged entity if it wasn't for someone like Wajid. He he was the brains behind so much of what those early slum village just kickstarting that group you know he's he's been he he was a part of that early thing that really was a catalyst he saw the future where it was going with that group and everything in the internet and he saw the future so so i'm glad that someone like wajid is actually paved his own avenue with first bling 47 he has dirt tech rock right now has all his crazy different sort of projects of all different types man he he has his own thing his own lane so i'm glad that he just he, he just continues to do his thing and you know i salute that to him but i just feel like a lot of these posts are very reactionary and very in poor taste about the timing like if you really need to get the shit off your chest can you do it at a different time that's that's my main beef about it. So hopefully, now that they got this out of their system, maybe we can move on a little bit. And maybe we can mend fences. Maybe someday we can actually have people on the same side. I don't know. I I personally need needed the space from the whole post, whatever, you know, Jay Dilla legacy business because I'm probably on that list too of people that they don't want involved in the events. And do I want to be a part of those events at this point? No. I needed to walk away. It was just too much. And I was very vocal about a lot of things. And they just considered that shit talking. And I, like I've said before, and I had the whole Dilla episode last week, you know, which I've gotten a lot of praise for, a lot of a lot of good, good comments about. I kept any of the negativity out of that episode but i enjoy i'm celebrating the works of jd by myself it's like and i've said this before it's like having a relationship with god in the bible but despising organized religion that's how i feel about it you know so i'm going to continue to love just music in general not just JD, but everything, you know, everything that I like and spew it out on this podcast about, you know, 
and definitely just I, I, I love being a fan as much as part of it of part of the music industry that I become or doing this podcast or being a writer I like being a I love being a fan of the shit so when it comes down to it I'm just going to celebrate by myself. I don't need to do it as a part of an event or a group of people or whatnot. So that's my piece about that. On to some wrestling news. Last, uh, we got the the WWE Fastlane pay-per-view coming up uh, this coming Sunday, which is going to be kind of like the setup for WrestleMania. We're on the road to WrestleMania right now. And maybe I'll do a another podcast this week where we kind of break down the whole thing in general. But the main event is Roman Reigns versus Dean Ambrose versus Brock Lesnar. And the winner will go on to WrestleMania to headline it versus the WWE champ, Triple H. I have no idea what's going to go on with this, uh, with, with that main event because there's so many different scenarios. You got the one scenario where Roman Reigns wins and it kind of makes sense because his story is with Triple H. But then you have Dean Ambrose, who is, who's gained a lot of popularity with the fans recently. So maybe that will happen. But then you always got Brock Lesnar, and he's always a big draw. But the Brock Lesnar thing seems the least out of it all because it's just like there's really no story. He has more of a story with the Wyatts these days. So... Maybe something will happen with the Wyatts in the uh, main event too to to set up something for WrestleMania. I don't know. I feel like for this main event, there's going to have to be some sort of a swerve or heel turn or some sort of screw job or someone comes up and someone outside comes in and wrecks it in some way. That I've, Something's going to happen, but there's too many scenarios to kind of figure out to, to figure out what's going to happen with that. And the, oh, the craziest thing too is like next Monday, Raw comes to Detroit. So we get the fast lane fallout. What happens at fast lane? You know, we're going to talk, you know, it's going to happen. Everything's going to happen on Raw the next month, next, yeah, next, uh, the next night. So I'm super psyched, you know, going with some homies. We're going to definitely have some fun at the event. Can't wait. Uh, but last Monday was probably one of the most, emotional nights in uh in in, whew, in wrestling history like Daniel Bryan retired from wrestling he didn't retire just from WWE he said that he's no longer a wrestler after that night and it's very emotional um after many instances of being cleared by the doctors our recent test came back saying that there was a little bit more damage into his to his brain than than caught before so he's had countless concussions. Like he, he said even in an interview that when he first started wrestling within the first month or so, he had three concussions. I'm like, shit, <laughs> that's a lot. So he's, and he said he, he's had at least 10 concussions in his career that he knows of, you know. So he made the choice to, for his, his, own, his own well-being, for his family's well-being. He's married to uh, Brie Bella that's it, it's time to finally hang it up and i salute him but he's you know he's one of the, the most genuine charismatic it was one of the most organic 
rises as for any wrestler in history. Like he was the underdog. He was like he had this. He was he wasn't the biggest guy. He wasn't the strongest guy. He he didn't have a certain look to him, but he just had that like charisma about him that he just couldn't help but be behind, you know. And it, it's really sad for him to. You know, to 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 go. We'll never. There's so many matches that we'll still never get to see. That we were just, and he was such an amazing person in the Indies and Ring of Honor. And it's it's very just very. It was very emotional to see him, see him uh, retire. Uh, some of the funniest stuff ever was when he was teamed with Kane as Team Hell No. They're going to uh, to therapy to the anger management sessions. Oh my God, so hilarious. And then there's like word going around that uh, Brie Bella, his wife, you know, is looking to leave the WWE soon, which makes sense. And it's probably at a point in their lives that they do want to start a family. So it's just like all the best for Daniel, Brian, and uh, and Brie, you know. So it's it's going to be sad never because he was one of those once in a once in a lifetime sort of wrestlers and i think he, he he changed a lot of things for he he made opportunities there's a lot of guys in the WWE now you know Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose those other guys that came from the indies that weren't the biggest tallest guys that are that are significant guys in the company now and in wrestling because people like Daniel Bryan paved the way you know and like Daniel Bryan's gonna be kind of be that measuring stick for, for when you're when they're out there scouting new talent for your wrestling organization. Like, do they have a Daniel Bryan quality? Like, cause that's something that people can get behind. You know, <clears throat> after years of seeing a bunch of just big, jacked up, tall, muscle bound guys, you know, you get sick of that. You know, you, we all want to sort of root for the people that could be our like be our next door neighbor, you know, <laughs> it could be any one of us, you know, and that's what, that's what Daniel Bryan was, man, anytime you hear an interview with him, you're just like, how can you not like this guy, he's, he's, he's just so good, man, he's such a good person, you know, so, you know, all the way, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna miss Daniel Bryan, thank you for everything that you've done, and uh, last but not least, uh, a little sad news in the wrestling world, an ECW original, Axel Rotten has passed away. Um, anybody who is, you know, who watched the original ECW wrestling from back in the '90s, you know, you know of Axel Rotten. He, he him, um, he used to uh, tag with his brother Ian Rotten, but then he also used to tag with Balls Mahoney. You weren't, you won't ever see like any technical mat wrestling with Axel Rotten. You saw chairs, you saw barbed wire, you saw bats, you saw blood. Somebody was getting their ass kicked, or he got his ass kicked, you know. But there, there was some brawling going on. Uh, so it's definitely too, it's definitely sad when one of the good brothers of the wrestling world uh, passes on. So uh, rest in peace, Axel Rotten. You uh, gave us a lot of <laughs> interesting years in wrestling. Okay, that's enough of that. On to our show. I got a cool, really great interview today. It's with uh, electronic music artist Fritz Helder. You're probably like, who? Fritz Helder. Fritz Helder is his name. 
he used to be a part of the band uh, Azarian Third. Uh, they, you know, kind of blew up a little bit in the in the early stages of like what you could call the blog generation, you know, um, whether it was their own tracks or remixes. Um, they were uh, they put out some really good uh, electronic, you know, dance music, you know, as a band for a few years, and uh, he was uh, he was a part of all that. Uh, since then, the group has disbanded, and he's finally getting around to being an artist himself, you know. So um, he has an EP uh, that's coming out, and uh, we talk about the EP. We talk about the years with Azari Third, you know, talk about being a part of fashion. We talk about a lot of things in the interview. It was cool to talk with him. Um, he now resides in London, so we talked over Skype uh, recently. Uh, it, was, it was really good to talk with him. So let's get with Let's get to the interview with uh, Fritz Helder. Yeah, I just uh, heard about this, uh, the new EP that you're coming out with, uh, Force of Nature. Um, and you've all, you know, previously you were in the band Azarian Third, and you've done yeah. collaborations. Why was it, you know, why, why is it this time, you know, right for you to finally do something solo? Well, I mean... Uh, two reasons really I mean after Azari and Third broke up it was just kind of the natural progression you know I still had a lot of music that I wanted to kind of explore and do but you know being on my own was kind of like okay shit how am I going to do this but so I moved to London to kind of figure that out and secondly it's like I feel like the Azari and Third recording process was <laughs> interesting and and trying to make a democracy you know trying to get four different people four very creatively different people on the same page was really hard to do so i just wanted to know what it was like to just do whatever the fuck i wanted to do with <laughs> right, anyone, right asking anyone's opinion or getting anyone's kind of permission to do it so yeah what were some of the kind of you know struggles with being a part of that band just four really strong personalities <laughs> i think that was like the main and only struggle because we all really loved music we all really loved enjoyed hanging out with each other but then you know in, in the context of create writing and then working and touring together it's just like big personalities <laughs> not enough room right for all those all that personality all the time <laughs> how did uh, that how did that band first come about um Oh, good question. Uh, 2009-ish, I think we were, I mean, we all knew each other from kind of Queen West kind of scene, I guess, at that point in different respects. But I think, you know, I think it was Dynamo and Al that started kind of making beats together first. And, you know, they heard about Starving at Full Cedric, aka Cedric's um, voice, and they brought him in on one track, and then I came in to do, start doing Hungry together. But at that time, it was more of like a, it's winter, let's roll a joint and make some beats. It wasn't like, we're going to start this band, and it's going it wasn't that developed yet, the idea of it, and then it just kind of, yeah, over a really long Canadian winter, we just ended up doing Reckless and Hungry, Manhooker, and then it blog during the blog kind of heyday too and a lot of blogs are like start looking for um new music and then we serviced a couple of them and the rest is kind of history they had took on a life of their own and then we decided to actually form a band and finish the album 
Right. Yeah, I do remember, uh, you know, seeing the name pretty much everywhere, kind of in that sort of blog culture of dance music. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, what was you know what was those first reactions when you just saw that it was kind of taking the life of its own? Uh, honestly, I wasn't quite aware of it. I was kind of like, you know, you kind of at that point in time, we were is the whole blog thing was getting it was so saturated. We were, we were a little bit jaded. We didn't really know what it meant. You know what I mean? Right. Because it's like you know, it's like okay, this blog likes it for this hot minute, and then because we didn't see the immediate like kind of what any kind of immediate kind of fruit from that yet people were talking about it but we were still in toronto we were still we hadn't done any shows or tours that we didn't know what that meant okay people liked it obviously weren't making any money off of people blogging it right so we just didn't didn't really click until we started to actually perform as a foursome you know doing some gigs in montreal and you'd show up to these gigs and it'd be like it'd be sold out it'd be like packed with people we're like oh shit <laughs> right oh okay so yeah that was when it kind of started to click that people are listening and actually caring you know what I mean right yeah uh, where are you originally from I am born in Jamaica but I grew up in northern Canada beside Alaska this place called Yukon Territory oh dang all the way up yeah. there yeah, White Horse Yukon. That's where I spent most of my life until I moved to uh, Toronto. Yeah. How's it growing up all, all the way up there? Like, what do you um, do up there? Mm. <laughs> you have a lot of time on your hands. I mean, as a as a young kid, it was like it's pretty magical because you're, you're like you're living in like you know the most raw kind of natural environment, just running around all day and all night outside. That was cool. But um. As you started getting, became, as I started to become a teenager and kind of long for <laughs> something else, it's kind of brutal. I had to get out of there as soon as I could. It was just, it wasn't, it was, yeah, there wasn't really anything there for me. <laughs> but it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful part of the world, and I think that, yeah, it's just, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to be as political as possible. Right, but uh, yeah, growing growing up in such an environment like, like. How is that, you know, still kind of a part of the person that you are today? Um, I think my curiosity, I got my curiosity from being going up there because I, you know, unlike a lot of my friends who grew up in big cities and had access to everything all the time, like I remember like, you know, getting music was even a hassle, like going to the music store and having to go through huge catalogs, you know what I mean? To like, if you've read about a CD, Remember when Smashing Pumpkins, like Melancholy Infinite Sadness came out? I had to order it from this huge catalog. I didn't even carry it in the, in the store, right? Right. Waiting three weeks for a CD to show up, like that kind of stuff. It was just like, you know, you, you get this kind of like this hunger for what's out there. And just like, you know, I learned everything. I, or Yeah, I learned a lot from magazines, like music magazines and fashion magazines and just dreaming about this world that existed outside of the borders and so when we finally left it still kind of was like okay this is what i read or i saw like holy shit like this is you know going to new york for the first time like whoa it's all so magical you right. know what i mean it's like because you never like think of that shit actually really exists you know so you said you eventually moved to uh, toronto yeah moved to toronto 2001 i believe 2000 2001 yeah yeah yeah, I really like Toronto. It's always been kind of like a one of those like second homes to me. 
Yeah, weird. Toronto is that nice balance between like, you know, it's got an American vibe to it. It's still it's obviously it's still Canadian. It's big, but it's not big. It's kinda of has a Brooklyn vibe to it. Kind of like it's got a little bit of everything, but it's not overwhelming to the point where you're just like, you know, some a lot of a lot of creative people in Toronto, which is really good too. Great creative scene. Yeah, once you, uh, you know, you were just totally this creative person, but you didn't really have an outlet, you moved to Toronto. What was kind of like, you know, your first feelings about being there? What what did you do when you finally got there? Well, luckily I went to school. I was going to school, so I had something to kind of like keep me focused for the first year. I went to school. I studied theater and dance, actually. I uh, did that for three years before I dropped out. <laughs> State school kids. But, um... Yeah, so being in university really helped me focus. It kind of gave me kind of like a, a nice kind of ease into the whole city life in a controlled way. But yeah, and then that's where I met most of my friends. And obviously, like building their networks kind of leads you out into the city more. So it's really easy that way. From, you know, from more of a, you know, creative artistic standpoint, what, when was the first time you actually started doing something, whether it was music or something else? Um... I mean, I've studied, I've studied music and dance since I was five, but like community theater style stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. I just kind of like innocent stuff. But when I moved to Toronto, I think after I dropped out of university, I kind of was like, okay, I know I want to do something creative. I don't know how to do it. You know, I wasn't trained formally in, in music. I studied dance, but I knew that I liked to dance because I loved dance music. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay, like, how do I make dance music? So... Yeah, luck is lucky enough to meet a guy who um, was a producer, and I had a, a dance show I was actually doing, and I wanted to make my own music for it. So we wrote a song together for this dance piece I was choreographing, and it was just like this cheesy kind of electro clash kind of like, <laughs> you know, like it's the early two thousands, right? So it was like super electro clash and all like you know, kind of like country lyrics, kind of a vibe. But I just really loved it, and so really loved the kind of expression you could get from it and that kind of was at the beginning of the end <laughs> beginning of the crazy journey into electronic music and then i started going out to club parties and raves and just yeah that was it once you started you know once you started you know making music you know what was you know who are some of the people that you kind of ran into or look up to or or you know what was some of the clubs or scenes or whatever that kind of helped mold you know who you became it was actually you know what this is going to be a little heartfelt moment it was i met dynamo zari you know in i forget the name of the club i think it was like i don't know i can't remember now it's too long ago but i remember <laughs> going out to see him or no i didn't go out to see him i remember going out to this club and he was djing and he was just playing like the best Music and as a newbie into the scene, it was music that I. It was like he, a lot of old school stuff. I remember he was playing like Evelyn Champagne King, and then he like throw down some like Pointer Sisters, and then go into some like Sharivari. You know, it yeah. was just like so, but it was just so joyful. You know what I mean? It was. This is like pre like dark shit, crazy cocaine shit. It was like so like you know Paradise Garage. Like everyone's like boogieing around. It was a good vibe. And being like, holy shit, this DJ is so good. And then I don't know, I don't know exactly how we ended up talking or how the relationship started, but Christian actually or Dynamo was the reason he kind of like I forgot your question, but yeah. <laughs> no, no, go ahead, go ahead. 
I mean, he was the kind of like the first kind of influence in me kind of musically that way. And he, and he was at that time, he was throwing a lot of parties around town and knew everybody on the scene and knew a lot of people from Detroit and New York. And so I kind of like learned, he got all of my education from him, really. And then we started doing parties together. And at one point we had a little band, Fritz and Hans, a little like duo number going on. <laughs> so yeah, that, so yeah, it was him really. Yeah, and from you know, and from that point, uh, once you just started getting more of a taste of everything, uh, what were some of the you know kind of ideas going on in your mind about how you know what sort of music you wanted to be making, what sort of things in this in that music industry or music scene you wanted to do? Well, at that time, it was like you know, it was the Crookers, it was that whole like Italo disco thing, that whole like Ed Banger, very kind of bloop, 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 blips and bloops kind of thing was yeah. going on. And I, I've always been the kind of person, I'm, I'm kind of an old soul, I guess. I'm, I'm more into like the Grace Jones and, the, and like, I'm, like that's always been my vibe, the kind of more theatrical side of things. And in the early 2000s, it was a really big taboo to like be theatrical, you know what I mean? Everything was like t-shirt and jeans, really serious, kind of like very bro you know what I mean? So I, I, in my head, I was like, okay, you know, I wanted to kind of, you know, you know, rebuke that and kind of do my own thing and kind of p go back to more kind of performance art, kind of more glam rock vibe, more 70s, more kind of like more real disco, right. you know, kind of vibe. So that was our thing. And then we started doing that. And and it was it was a struggle because like no, everyone thought we were completely ridiculous. <laughs> but, the, you know, but it was we were just a little bit too ahead of the curve because obviously, as you know, that obviously came back into fashion and back into fame, into it was a flavor of the month much later, but we were doing that so long ago and it was it was fun because we were like the go-to for that vibe and the kids that I hung out with at the time. But yeah, it was always a mission of mine to kind of bring the glamour and the sexiness and the kind of like sensuality back to dance music because it was just so stiff and like cokey. It was like bang your head against the cement wall. You know what I mean? It was, <laughs> there was no right. sensuality to dance music at that point. It was just really hard-edged even though it was fun it, but it was you know created something a little bit more sensual and sexy i mean i think that's part of azari's success too because you know those vocals it was more there's a more sensual attitude to it than just sounds you know <laughs> yeah i do i do remember that time it was like a lot of the dance music was like a lot more rigid a lot more just kind of glitchy and sort of yeah. Like staticky and like rough around yeah. the edges, really hard, you know. It was really hard, and I mean, a whole night of that, you just like, oh, you know what I mean? You had <laughs> like, it was a lot to deal with a whole night of that. So, you know, we really just wanted to you know, just have just a break from it, you know. Definitely. Yeah. And you know, kind of uh, extending on um, that sort of sensual, you know, s spirit of it all, you know. When I look at all the stuff that you're, you know, you've done, you know, the visuals on it are always like really incredible, you know, whether yeah. it's just, you know, the colors, the wigs, whatever, you know, kind yeah. of, um, you know, tell me, uh, you know, what are your thoughts about how all that fits together to like the total package to kind of tell your story? It's, it's integral to me because, you know, and I think I've been thinking about this other day. I'm like, I don't know if it's half, I don't know if it's my insecurity of not feeling completely secure as a musician, you know, because sometimes, you know, you know, you get the feeling that maybe I'm not, if you're like hiding behind a lot of the artifice and all of that stuff or, if, but, but 
I don't necessarily believe that. I question myself sometimes, but I think it's for me, it's more about, you know, we are visual creatures, you know, and, and I feel like with music, to me, music is a visual experience as well. It's not just like sonic in the ears. Like I see music too, you know what I mean? And if it's, if it's color, if it's movement, if it's just, there's a, I think it's just, I just like to add more textures to music if I can. And that's why I love, you know, the digital age that we live in with everything being online. Like they, have to, they have the opportunity now to always pair what you do with an image. I feel like it's just that extra texture layer that just makes things, you know, and sometimes you can have a track that you don't even understand until you see the visual, you know what I mean? Right. And you're like, whoa, I get it. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it can open up so much more. So and I've always just been a visual person. Even when I write music, I write from, I start from the visual and work my way backwards into what sounds will make that visual. It's like, it'd be like the same as um, scoring a movie or something like that. I see the end in my head and I kind of, kind of go backwards into what would make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Like you just kind of like touched on something where you're like, you said that sometimes you struggle with, you know, am I hiding behind all this? Am I sort of, yeah. you know, like insecure about something that's definitely something that i've like kind of dealt with before because you know along with you know doing this podcast and writing i also dj too and i'm always yeah. like all right and i want to be kind of more visual because yeah like at one time like the thing was like if you're a dj just listen to the music but people don't do that you know they sit there and look at the dj the whole they're night look, they're looking at something they're looking at something so you're at, at, at a certain point you're like let's give them something good something to look, to look at. at exactly that's there's no shame in that but at the same time you know like we it's i think because the music industry especially in the electronic dance kind of dj world it's, it's a boys club right i think it might be a guy thing because when you have like nina kravitz or or like, I mean, you have a hot DJ. She, she's just like, she has no problem being hot and, yeah. and going out there and shaking her thing. And everyone's like, yeah. But I think with guys, we're kind of, we walk that kind of fine line of we don't want to be flamboyant or showy or like, you know what I mean? It's about the music. We're purists, you know, just, you know, stand there and listen. But no, I mean, it's got to be, it's got, this has to be more than that. I mean, you look at some of the biggest DJ acts, whether you like them or not, but you look at like Dead Mouse and all those guys that have, it's completely visual for them at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Daft Punk, you know, like it's a complete visual experience. You can't separate the two anymore. So I think there's something there, but there are also a lot of people who hide behind their visuals too. So. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. There's definitely people who like, you know, they, they do a certain sort of music and they need to tour it, but they don't necessarily know how to tour it. So they kind of do the visual thing to kind of. And they're not necessarily people who like to be in front of people. That's the other thing, too. That too I, yeah. You know, like, you know, I know a lot of great, really talented producers who, you know, nobody will ever hear them because they just can't get in front of a crowd, you know? So, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> and I really can't fault anybody doing that because if, no, you, can, if you can sit down and actually make a really cool stage show that has really cool visuals, yo, yeah, that's really, really fucking cool, actually. Yeah, and if there's intent behind it, I don't, yeah, exactly. For me, it's all about intent. If there's some sort of intent behind it, then I think it's good whether I like it or not. I just don't agree with 
kind of mindless kind of like brainwashing for no reason. I just feel like, okay, like, okay. You know what I mean? It's, it's almost just as bad as not, don't have anything at all. If it's just going to be like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> you know, like let's put a little effort, a little effort goes a long way. You know? No, just, and there's definitely been a lot of great strides with, you know, certain DJs about how, you know, how to put on a, a show since this kind of electronic music boom kind of happened to where you know you can mold all these things together but yeah. still like have a lot of control and leeway during the actual show to change yeah. things up yeah exactly you know yeah it almost becomes almost the visuals become almost another instrument or another knob on your mixer you know what i mean like yeah. it's like it's another layer to what you're doing it's like a, um 3d mapping stuff and like mapping on mesh and it's just like it's if you really want to go into it you can get really really crazy yeah it's, it's crazy and, I, and i'm and i've always been a fan of and i listen to all sorts of different music but i always realize that like i always like these bands or artists that are like very theatrical you know whether it is metal or electronic music or or rap or whatever like yeah. i like those theatrical like people man it just it's really yeah. kind of cool like you outcast know? or something like that you know what i mean like just like crazy good but they're just they're so they're just like characters you know what i mean like there's just something yeah i know what you mean yeah and i think i think that's that's the reason why too i like stuff like pro, like professional wrestling and stuff like that and like being able to like <laughs> how I, old are you if you want me asking i'm 34 Okay, then we're yeah, we're similar in age. That's why I think because we're '80s kids, you know. I think it's a, I think it's a generation thing too. Yeah, like when you growing up in the '80s, there was you know he had all the stuff that came from the '70s, like yeah. that were you know that you saw maybe on reruns or whatever. Exactly. And then all the stuff in the '80s, and there was all this like really cartoonish sort of stuff, and you know. Hypergraphic. You know, the '80s were so hypergraphic, and the '70s were like so like free and like yeah, it's a nice combination. I feel like we're really lucky because we you don't get that anymore. Everything is so quick now, but you know, like something like what is it like the Muppet Show? You know what I mean? Like just being around Fraggle Rock, like that stuff it took a long time to make one of those shows. You know what I mean? Right. There was, was like appreciation for like analog hard work <laughs> right there. and so much of that stuff kind of like had these like when you look back at them as an adult you're like holy shit that shit was kind of like kind of messed up you know that, that yeah, shit was kind of not for kids at all like not at all and like, even like you know marauder doing the soundtrack for the never-ending story like you know what i mean like <laughs> what <laughs> right you know, you take away the crazy movie, you listen to the soundtrack, you're like, this is sick. You know what I mean? Like, this is my childhood. You know what I mean? Like, no wonder, like, dance music. Right. What was, it, like, you know, speaking of all that stuff, you know, kind of grew up on, you know, what was some of your favorite things, you know, to kind of watch movies, TV shows, or things to read or whatever from the 80s? What do you remember from your childhood? Like, I remember Never Ending Story, like, it was, like, it was, like, I watched that, like, it was going out of, like, it was going out of style. Like, it, almost every day I watched that movie. I liked a lot of fantasy and sci-fi stuff. I still do, but I liked a lot of like. I remember in the heavy metal, the heavy metal that animation movie yeah. came out, like that. Like I just <laughs> anything that was like about like like Vision Quest. Remember that movie was good. Anything that was about like a some sort of journey, like into a magical world. That was that was all. Of, that was my avenue of of you know entertainment for sure. But yeah, I, off the top of my head, that's all. I can <laughs> Yeah, I remember like I remember like I was big into like watching like 
like stuff like uh thundercats yeah uh, that was yeah that was exactly. the shit he-man although if you watch he-man now you're like this cartoon sucks <laughs> they don't even move the animation is so choppy but then as a kid i thought it was so fluid and like so like high tech but then you watch it now like they barely even move their mouths and they talk you're like why did i think that was so like crazy but wait know. do you remember the um do you remember the mc hammer uh, cartoon no it was like super. It was like this super slow sort of stop animation like thing. Is that like Saturday morning cartoon? Yeah. See, like my fam, my household, I wasn't allowed to watch cartoons Saturday morning unless I was at a friend's house. I missed out on a lot of cool cartoons. Oh <laughs> man! Like, had a clamp down on the Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah, man. Yeah. Saturday mornings used to be super <laughs> lit as a kid, man. When it came to cartoons <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. That's something this generation doesn't know anything about. They're, not, they're still at the club Saturday morning. They're, like, <laughs> right. they're not at home. They're, totally not at home. they're like out already doing God knows what. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true though. Like times have changed so much. Like which like eleven year olds at home at Saturday morning? They're like they're just you know or looking at TV. They're on their phones now. You know they're there's a whole different world out there. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I definitely miss the you know. I miss like you know just waking up and watching cartoons. I would I would do that right now if yeah if totally. <laughs> well, there's definitely innocence to it, right? I feel like it's kind of like it's this chilled out kind of like you know no worries, no pressure. Everything is still pressured now, you know. Yeah. Just so yeah. Like, you're so aware that people are watching you. Everyone's watching everybody. Watch everything. So it's like I gotta, I gotta look cool right now. Everybody's watching me. So like, who cares? <laughs> I think I think I finally like kind of really come to grips with that, and I just like, all right, if you don't think I'm cool for watching this or whatever, yeah, I don't care, just go away. Yeah, really, okay, whatever. <laughs> I won't invite you over then. You know what I mean? Like, let's, like, who cares? Like, right, don't come over then, or don't yeah, call me, right. whatever. You know? Yeah. I'll sit I'll sit here and watch wrestling by myself. Totally. <laughs> Actually, I've not watched wrestling in a long time. I used to love wrestling. Jake the Snake and Birdman. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, back in the 80s, it was great, man, like, with all those... those. Uh... That's, that's the last time I watched wrestling, but, yeah. So, so you liked Jake the Snake back then? Yeah. Was there, was there any other uh, guys that you liked? British Bulldogs. Yeah. Yeah, they were good. And there was another guy who was like... Oh, The, Undert- the Undertaker, of course. Yeah, Taker. Yeah. He's still around. Is he? Yeah, he's kind of like they're he's kind of winding down his career. It's been 25 years, you know. I was going to say shit. And it, it looks like they're, you know, they're, you know, winding down for his, you know, his last run, you know. That's what it kind of okay. is looking like, but he's still yeah. around and still awesome to see him. Yeah. I just love like the like the whole, the whole storyline we but that's it's such an intricate thing when you they wove those storylines together it's like soap opera basically oh yeah it's it's definitely <laughs> been like a male soap opera it's definitely yeah. like a you know like professional wrestling is like a traveling theater you know yeah totally it 100 is vaudeville man it's like yeah and yeah it's so true i never thought of it that way but it 100 is i think you know even being a dj and then or with azari like 
in the whole, you start to get on these kind of circles. You start to, oh, every time, every show, you, oh, there's Jamie Jones again. Oh, there's, you know, you start to kind of see the same people. It is becomes this kind of like traveling road show of like characters are like, this is what we do for a living. Like people allow us to act and be and behave this way and then they pay us. Like it's completely like just crazy town, but it's, yeah, it's good. Right. That's good. Yeah. It's kind of crazy when, you know, when you kind of go into the whole electronic music realm of things and yeah. the way everybody tours, like you see, you just run, you cross paths with so many of those people on yeah. such a regular basis. It's crazy. And you start to begin, you start to think of that kind of lifestyle as normal. Like one minute you're in Paris, next minute you're in Singapore, next minute you're like, oh, hey. Oh yeah, I'm going. I'm going to South Africa next week. You should come. Yeah, totally. I'll see. You. Like people don't, people don't do that. You know what I mean? Like, like nobody does that. We kind of start to talk as if, yeah, yeah. I'll see you in Mexico next week. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's like holy shit. This is what we do. Just live on planes. Just like travel all over the place, and just like, and say hello in nightclubs. Like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You got guys that are like, oh, just you know, stick around. You can come on my uh, private plane. We'll go to somewhere yeah. together. See, never, we never got to the private playing stage, but like, <laughs> but yeah, I know what you mean, though, for sure. You're not on that Dylan Francis uh, level. No, 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 <laughs> We never got there. <laughs> I'm still commercial, man. Economy. Yeah. <laughs> not on that Dylan Francis level. No, no. Soon, oh. soon, one day. <laughs> okay, I was like, I was like checking, I was on your, uh, your, your Twitter um, page, and I just saw all these, like, post you know where you just said been there done that you know you know kind of talk about those posts well yeah it's 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 funny because I started doing that I mean I just kind of got lazy and I stopped I started doing that because I had like I closed down my personal Facebook and then they they when you do that they send you like all of your files so you can like keep all your photos or whatever right yeah they delete your account I was going through my photos and I was like holy shit like the the last like 15 15 years of my life have been insane when you look at just the the photos of what you've been posting you're like holy crap and then I started to look at the kind of timeline the timeline of it and it's like me and my friends and whatever we were doing we're always like a year to you know ahead of whatever was in the zeitgeist you know like pre-Lady Gaga was my first group it was like we were doing that shit before Lady Gaga and just like just seeing all this stuff I'm like okay and then you see it all happening now just because you can because of Instagram and you're just so much more aware of what people are doing so when I see young kids post shit about and they're just so like because that's the thing about these phones and kids that they they have Google but they don't use it you know what I mean they post shit and they, they act as if it's like this new thing you're like okay just so you know that's been done like a million times before <laughs> right you didn't invent that but they're just they're so self-absorbed i think that they're like reinventing the wheel so i kind of thought it was funny and so i, I started to just post these things of shit that i've done that in re- in reaction to stuff that i was seeing that day or whatever and just kind of for example like Givenchy did this kind of like diamond face thing yeah for their whatever fashion show and i remember 2004 doing that for my group just because we didn't have any money for costumes so we just like glue shit on our faces <laughs> right. like, we're fabulous you know what i mean and now they're selling it at Givenchy for like thirty-two thousand dollars. i'm like what the fuck is going on like that was a joke to us and now it's high fashion you know yep. what i mean and it's just kind of like those kind of things that kind of just kind of like slap you in the face <laughs> every now and then but yeah that was that 
Yeah, I love this yeah, picture that I'm looking at right, right now. It's just like, like the time I stalled Karl Lagerfeld. Oh yeah, back in the day. Yeah, we, were, we used to go to Paris a lot. Cause you know, yeah, we used to go to Paris a lot in the early late nineties, early two thousands, and just do, just because we liked fashion before the whole fashion thing exploded. Now everybody likes fashion just because they feel like they have to. But like, we seriously loved fashion, so we would just go and just like go to these parties and try and get in. Yeah, and then I met Carl a few times. <laughs> well, the back of his head, more like. <laughs> yeah. What is it, you know, what is it about the, you know, sort of, you know, fashion scene that, you know, kind of drew you to it? Um, I, you know what, that's an interesting question. I think it was more, for me, being, you know, the little tiny, scrawny black kid growing up in the Yukon, like I never had an outlet self-expression I was really concerned I mean like as most kids are about fitting in because I knew that I stood out already so much visually like I was like okay like don't like okay keep your shit together so I spent (laughs) so much time as a kid trying to like disappear that when I discovered fashion I remember I bought a fashion magazine at the grocery store in, in Whitehurst and took it home and I read it. I think it was like Details Magazine or something like that. Yeah. I remember I opened it and I was just like blown away. I've never seen anything like that in my life before. People just kind of doing themselves and all these fashion characters are all like very flamboyant and it's kind of like, whoa, it just really resonated with me and I just thought that, you know, if people can do that and be respected and kind of be like, you know, people listened to what they said and they took them very seriously. I'm like, well, I just, I just fell in love with that idea that you could be you and people were cool with it, you know? And that I feel like, yeah, and that's what initial attraction to it was. And then realizing that people who work in fashion outside of the whole commercial side of it, people who actually make clothes and design stuff are really talented people and they work really hard. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like the glamour shit aside that the whole behind the scenes is a lot that goes into making those images and making that stuff look good, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Like when you, you know, kind of strip away the whole glamour and everything yeah. behind it, I really do love the sort of kind of aesthetic of fashion, you know, just yeah. everything and its basic principles and the yeah. whole artistry of that. I, I just love it. For sure. So when it's it, yeah, it's when it starts to be, when it, goes to market and it's all, and then it starts to become buy it. You need this, you need this, you need this. That's when it's annoying. But like the other stuff before that part is really cool. You know, like, I think it's really interesting. Right. <clears throat> how did you know, how did you come up with this sort of name Fritz Helder, this kind of character of you? Um, I was adopted and um yeah, it was kind of like, Fritz is kind of like, well, it's kind of, I don't know how to tell this story because it's so long. I was adopted, but my first name is Fritz. I was adopted. Okay. And it's one of those things that I just, just trying to kind of get in touch with my identity again. You know, I don't know much about that part of my life. I just decided to invent what it was, what it would have been, you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's the whole Fritz, and I just thought that Helder sounded cool with Fritz. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. Yeah, I lo- I love when I talk to people about and ask them questions like like that, 
Yeah. A lot of times it's like the simplest thing. Like yeah. I just looked at something and boom, that was yeah. it. It just seemed to just happen. I remember I was with a friend at the time and we were debating if it should be Hector or Helder and it just, you know. I'm sure there's more to it like than that, but that's the basic question. That's the basic <laughs> answer. Yeah. So so you um so you said you were uh you were adopted. Um yep. what did what did your adopted parents do? My adopted parents are both academics, my mom, and then my mom was a, was a social worker, and my dad was a teacher and a social worker as well. Only child. Oh, okay. Yeah. Only child up in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of time on my hands. A lot of time to think. You didn't have anybody time. to talk to. No, just myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is cool, you know what I mean? It's fine. It's it, yeah. At some point, I needed to kind of just explode or go crazy. Okay, cool. Now, now you know you have this EP. Um, kind of what is you know what do you see? Your, um, what you're going to be doing next in regards to music or whatever else creatively? Well, this is yeah. This EP, this first single. It's just this year coming up to me is a trial. Like I have obviously more songs and we're going to do more videos and stuff like that but i don't really everyone keeps telling me you know what you know focus in on what you want and i don't know what that is yet i know that i love to perform i know that i want to get back on stage and start doing shows you know it's one of those things where i just like i just need a foundation i just need something to start with and just keep kind of create creating on top of that and see where it goes i find i feel like if i if I get too specific with what I want, then I'm kind of going to close the door to a lot of other opportunities. And I, I want to incorporate music and fashion and visuals and just, I feel like that's the right, it's the right time for that again in electronic music. I feel like it's, we need, the pendulum's going to swing right back to those kind of more electro-clashy days are going to return again. I just want to be ready for it when it comes, right. you know? I'm honing in my my radar a bit. I just feel like what's happening now is it is not sustainable. It's cheap for promoters, but I feel the audience is going to get tired really quickly. You know, yeah. they're going to stop going to shows if something unless something really interesting starts to happen. <laughs> you know, there's no there's not enough drugs to keep that interesting. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So there has to be something. You know, and I feel like yeah, I'd just like to see what. That means for me personally, I don't know yet. I know I'm going to be writing a bunch more music coming up, start building a live show, start the whole Fritz Pop TV thing too, kind of allows me to kind of play with that whole kind of glitch pop, glitch TV aspect of things too, and kind of like chop and screw TV visuals and see if I could cut in some 80s cartoons and you know what I mean? Like how. How much, I'm just going to be basically mining my past and throwing it up somehow. I don't know how it's going to come out, but it's the beginning of that process. Yeah. What do you kind of envision like a you know Fritz Helder you know live show to be? Um, that's easy to answer. I I envision it being in like three tiers. I mean, like ultimately, you know, ultimately it'd be amazing to play huge venues and have like the big light rig and the led screens and kind of all that stuff that's an easy show to put on you know what i mean because obviously there's some sort of budget so you can just throw money at everything and it yeah. just kind of happens but i think the harder thing is to try and give that kind of 
epicness in smaller venues you know what i mean and more curated venues i feel like that's interesting like going into kind of unusual spaces libraries art galleries and and that's back to my roots like of doing warehouse parties and raves and doing those kind of parties make curating them in an artistic way so you're getting a visual aspect you're getting a kind of like fashion glamour aspect but you can still dance your ass off you can still kind of like act a fool and rave out if you want but there's a you're kind of entering a world that's not like tomorrowland like cheesiness it's like something a little bit more like you know right. <laughs> you know Something a little bit more topical, maybe. You know what I mean? So maybe it's a little bit political sometimes. Maybe it's a little bit, you, you think a bit, you know, God forbid. <laughs> you know, just, just to get all of your senses going. You know, and I think that's that's just to try and apply that to, I mean, right now, like I'm playing really small venues. Obviously, it's a new project. So kind of work your way back up. But it's it's just every venue being able to change it somehow make it completely different whether that's a lighting thing whether that's a you know smoking the whole place out with dry ice and you can't see anything you just hear shit you know what i mean yeah. like it's just like it's just fucking with people every time you do it so like they can never say oh fritz helder show is really boring or i saw it last month you don't want people to be like i gotta go because we never know what the fuck's gonna happen you know what i mean like, right it's just like that's the vibe yeah great yeah, yeah. All right, that's about it for the interview. Yeah, thanks for uh, you know taking the time out to chat with me. No, thank. I love chatting, as you can tell. <laughs> yeah, that's <was> great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, cool, cool, man. Yeah, you have a good day, man. You too. Enjoy your day. All right, nice later. Bye. So that was the interview with Fritz Halder. It was cool to talk with him. Uh, go uh, cop that new EP called Forces of Nature. Um, you can go to his website, which is fritzpop.tv for more information about him. Check out his videos. He has some really cool videos. Very awesome aesthetic to it all. So uh, go ahead and support the brother. If you'd like to uh, support the Fresh is the Word podcast, you can go to our website, which is freshisthepodcast.com. And there's a link at the top that says support the podcast. And on that page, there is a PayPal link that you can donate to. Or there is an Amazon link on there that you can use anytime that you want to purchase anything on Amazon. Use that link, and after you make your purchases, Amazon will shoot some commission back to me. I'll just go to help the show. Also, I definitely appreciate all the listens, and if you definitely want to share the links to the website, freshisthepodcast.com, or any of the links on SoundCloud, that's definitely appreciated and will definitely help support the podcast. You can also reach Fresh is the Word on the social medias at Instagram and Twitter at Fresh is the Word 1. That's Fresh is the Word number 1. And on Facebook, you can go to Facebook.com slash Fresh is the Podcast and give us a like on that page. We're also on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, so go ahead and search Fresh is the Word on there. and Go ahead and subscribe to us. And it also would be very helpful if you go onto iTunes and give us a 5-star rating and throw some comments on there. Thanks for listening. See you soon. Fresh, 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 fresh is the word.